This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's awesome to be here with you guys. I've got a wife and three children, a small little dog, and they in Swakop Moon today. I always seems to have an excuse, but uh, we've got we helping other people in our church. They go to uh, they've got their wedding anniversary, we're looking after the kids, they will join after church, so uh, so now the kids can leave for, for Kitty's church, you guys can go and enjoy that, and uh, this morning I think when I drove here, I felt I just have to say to you, you know, I want to, you know, that saying, less is more, okay, now ons het ek het groot geraak, in Afrikaans het ons altyd gesê, iets is min of meer, more or less, drive more or less that way, or min of meer groen, but you know, later in my life, I saw, you know, that sometimes in the, I think in the fashion industry, in, you know, let's call it decorate, decor, decorating, otherwise I'm going to run into trouble now, you know, <laughs> less is more, okay, you can what I say, okay, let's call it the, the decorating industry, sometimes they say less is more, okay, am I okay with that? So, in a sense, I want to say this morning, in terms of scripture I'm going to use, less is sometimes more. And sometimes we can rush through a lot of scriptures, and then, you know, we still leave, and we, we don't get to the point. And, you know, I was sitting there in my phone, and I guess most of us have very intelligent phones these days, and my phone said to me, it said to me, your average one hour, 49 minutes of screen time per per day last week, and that means I was almost two hours on my phone, I guess, in terms of phoning or messages, or I use my phone quite a lot, and I guess most of you do the same. I just once want to hear you say amen today, okay? Okay, so, and then the first thought that came to my heart was, if I was spending one hour and 49 minutes on my phone, most of it will be for work or social or well, social, all the family, WhatsApp groups, and all of those things happening, instantly it came to my heart, how much time did I spend with God, okay, because last week, or the week before that, I was preaching actually in Swakop Mund, we had a sermon series, and we spoke about the priority of worship, what priority does worship have in our lives, and I said to the church, I gave them a column with a number one to ten, and I said things like sleep, and work, and family, and play, and finances, and exercise, and, and rate them number one to ten, and they did it. And I said, what is your number one, two, three, and what's last on the list? And then I said, a lot of spiritual things, prayer, church, small group, worship, um, tithing, serving, etc. And I said, write them. Which of those are non-negotiables? Which of those are the most important in your life? And they write it in their own lives. And then I said, let's combine all of those. Then you have a t- 20 things on your list. Let's say normal life stuff and spiritual stuff. And what is your top 10 or top three look like right now? How does it change? Some things need to move down that list, and some need to move up up that list. Okay, up meaning to number one. Because here's the thing. I think the enemy, most of the time, doesn't want to make us Satanists or deceive us totally into that place. But if he can just get us a little bit off track in terms of our priorities, he can win a lot of ground. Okay? When we say and you can just name in your own life a few normal life things that is very important. We all have, we, who's not busy, 
We'll pray for you, okay? We are all very busy these days. So it's important that our basic priorities in life as Christians are in order. And it's an important thing for us because if we get reading scripture or worship or prayer at number five, six, seven, it doesn't mean we're going to go to hell. It just means we're distracted, okay? So if my phone says one hour, 40 minutes, 49 minutes of screen time, I know it's important that my spiritual life isn't like saying five minutes screen time. Otherwise, I'm in trouble relationally. God is not, God hasn't, I don't think he's got this book just saying you've got this amount of screen time. The Father is relational, okay? So it's important that our relational, um, that we are relationally close to our Father. It's not a law thing. It's just a love, a love thing. Okay, so you guys had the past three weeks a sermon series on Live the Living Word. Second time you can say amen, okay? So, uh, and I believe Yaku and Johannes, and I'm not sure who, Robert and, and these guys, they, they uh, spoke about different aspects of live the living word, and it says we can't live by, um, yeah, you know the whole part. I'm not going to uh, copy or, or repeat what they have said. So this morning, I'm going to end the series a little bit, or Johannes asked, to, um, in terms of applying the word in our lives. And that is where I want to maybe try and simplify because sometimes we run through a lot of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, different authors, and we walk out and we heard a lot of amens and a lot of stuff. But just to get the basics right is sometimes challenging. Um, I want to challenge you in that sense. Just, it's not part of the sermon, but just go and think about the priorities I refer to in your life. I was challenged when I had to look at my let's say, top 10 10 things when I said family, work, all of that, and then the spiritual things. Honestly, not not what it's supposed to look like academically, but in real life, what does it look like? And this morning I want to share a bit of advice. I believe it's good advice in terms of applying the word. It's the brother of Jesus Christ, James, Pastor James. Pastor James will speak to you This morning, I'm going to preach a little bit from James chapter 1, verse 19 to 25. You're welcome to go and read it at home in your favorite translation, whichever that might be. So uh, let's read from verse 19 to to 25, and then I'm going to commit to, to almost stick to that, and then just a few other things this morning. James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed 
in his doing. Amen, go home and do that. Apply that. That's what the word says. That's what Pastor James, one of the church leaders of the church in Jerusalem, that's what he says. And obviously, I have to say that thought. How must have been to preach in the shadow of your brother, which was completely God and completely man? Huh? How must it be? I wonder what James's thoughts sometimes were on his own after Jesus was crucified. And when he thought, like, I grew up with God. I grew up with Jesus. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the everything. Obviously, Jesus had a good impartation to his brother in the natural, you know. Halfbrewer, actually, okay. They don't have the same father. But uh, nevertheless, now James starts here and he says, and I'm going to try and go real slow because I, I tend to see sometimes we rush and we want to, I almost want to run to a place in my sermon and then I want to say, this is it. And then I want to run again. And then, you know, sometimes we miss a, a lot. Um, one of my friends in, in Swakopmund, Lionel, you know, he's got this, uh, this saying, he's going he's gonna to be a miner today. He's going to be a miner. He's going to mine the word. Okay, just meaning he's going to dig deep and uh, he's going to see what he can discover and whatever God wants to show him. So let's do a little bit of digging, digging today as well. James starts with, he says, know this. James, that means, he says, understand this. I want you, he's a church, he's, he's, he's not writing, he, he continues and he says, my beloved brothers, he's not writing to the world out there, okay, it's important that we understand who he's writing to, he's writing to the church. Now, is the church perfect? Well, if the church were perfect, I guess Paul and James and John wouldn't have spent that much time in writing letters to his church. I remember way back in Vinduk, I had a few challenges and didn't understand a few things, and it really bothered me. And I had one of our pastors from South Africa there, and I asked him, Ross, how would you address this? And he said, write letters to your church. I thought, well, that's biblical. That's what the apostles did. So maybe I should write you a letter. 20 coffee beakers. You'll come in next time. Okay. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be. Okay. So he's making, he's giving us a command there. Let every person, not just some of you, those in the back seats in church, those of you who is like this or like that, let every person be. And then he continues and he says, be quick to hear, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Can we say amen to that? Why? Because if we said slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger, we should say, hey, this Akbar van Aiprat. No, isn't it true? Sometimes we get challenged in our marriages, in our relationships, in our families, in our workplaces, that we get these things upside down. Someone says, and then we're not slow to speak, we're fast to speak. We're fast to fight. We're fast to justify. We are fast to say, it wasn't me, or, or whatever the case might be. Okay? James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that's why I said I, I actually want to slow down a little bit and not just run through this. Because sometimes we actually hear, but we don't listen. Now I sound like James, because that's what he's going to say. These are things that he wrote to his church, to the beloved brothers. And he says, I want you to work on this. I want you that this will be 
part of your character. So what is he saying? He's saying grow in this. Because if his church, if his disciples got it perfectly right, he probably wouldn't have written this letter. But he knows we need to grow in that. And I know I need to grow in that. And you know, these days, sometimes, you know, I had to do it the past week. I'll be honest with you guys that I, it's not just my fellow brothers in church or my wife. Sometimes I have to go to my kids and say, hey, dad made a mistake. You saw it. You're not three months old anymore. Then they don't see. But you saw what I did or what I said or maybe I lost my temper or whatever the case might be. I overreacted a little bit. Now, what's the easy thing to do? It's like, where's all the dads in the house? The easy thing is to say, I'm the dad and just going to... But the discipleship moment is to go to your children and say, you know, I just want to say to you the example I, I just said before you. We're wrong. It's not godly. It's not biblically. Please don't do what I did just now. And you know, those moments are tough but special because most of us, even if we are Christians... We battle to say, sorry, or I'm wrong. Or sometimes we need to grow into that. And to walk to a child and say, you know, you're not becoming the father now. I'm still the dad in the house. But I just want to say to you, I made a mistake. Then they learn something precious. Okay? To say sorry or say, ask for forgiveness and see that, that we as adults, as parents, as their spiritual leaders can also get things wrong, but then we don't walk away in pride, but that we say, hey, I got it wrong. Learn from, my, learn from me. Okay, church, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Then James continues and he says in verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He came from a Jewish background. He grew, grew up as a Jew and, sorry, and they speculate in the context. I mean, what does James mean when he says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God? There was a lot of zealots and guys that were very passionate, the Jews, and they just wanted to fight the Romans. And sometimes, especially in the context that James wrote, what he meant is, if you were fighting the Romans and overthrowing the yoke that were upon their shoulders... That wouldn't bring righteousness before God. Fighting with the sword and the shield and, and, and physical violence would not bring God's kingdom closer to the people. It will not, um, you will not gain the approval of God in that sense. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Then he goes, and then remember always in the word when it says, therefore, Okay, then we need to go like this because then he wants to explain something a little bit better to us. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. I'm going to read that slowly again. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He just said, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God wants from us. And here he says, the implanted word, okay, that he connects with basically salvation. So, 
let's take it slowly. All filthiness and wickedness. Hy praat nie van, jy het langlaas gebad of gestoord, or something like that. Okay? He talks about that ugly stuff in our characters. That stuff that we sometimes think about, that, oh, where does this come from? How did I think this thought, or say this word, or act it in this way? That, that wickedness, that filthiness. He says, put all those things away. Paul says it's so beautiful when he says, formerly we walked into darkness, we were dead in our trespasses, and then we became alive in Christ. But sometimes there's still a little bit of that yuch, yuch stuff in our lives. Amen? And he wants us to put those things, not just in our own strength, obviously with the help of the Holy Spirit. Then he continues and he says, and receive with meekness the implanted words which is able to save your souls. So let's look at that word receive. Receive with meekness. Receive means to welcome. Receive means it's not like we receive a blow on the head or when you, my kids were playing rugby yesterday and now it's inai and inada and all of that. It's not like you receive a blow on the head. It's how you receive a friend. It's how you receive a father, a mother, someone you love. Okay? Receive the word. You see, sometimes we run past these words and we walk out and sometimes I ask the question that we over-preach churches and then we stay the same in a sense. We, we battle with doing and taking those little steps. Prophetically, I guess God wants the church to be 500. I don't have a word on that, but I just know God's heart. Maybe he wants you to be a hundred. No condemnation. But sometimes we, we slip over those little steps that we need to take. James, the brother of Jesus, says we need to receive with meekness. Now there's a way that we can receive the word, I would say, not with meekness, but a way that you read it. When, when you're in a bad place, when you're angry, when you're offended, when you're hurt, when you were wronged, when life is just plain bad, when we read the word and we don't want to receive. Let's be honest. Sometimes we're a little bit at a place like that where we read something and it's like, yeah, God, but you know what that person said about my child? Do you know what that person said about me? Do you know what my boss did? Do you know what... How dry it is, whatever. And then our hearts doesn't want to receive with meekness, with a teachability, with a humility, the word of God. Sometimes we just read it and we think I did the right thing in reading the word and we say amen after our one minute prayer, our two minute screen time and we continue in the day. James says we need to receive with meekness the implanted word. We shouldn't be suspicious about the word. We shouldn't mistrust the word. We shouldn't even think we understand all of the word. There should be a humble place of saying, God, I need you to help me to understand. Because, hey, who have you saved yourselves? None of us. Not one of us. God called us first. 
and through regeneration, He made us alive that we could respond in faith to the Word, to, to Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, I can go out deeper with the blood say a prayer. Okay, so James says we need to receive it with meekness, a place of saying, I trust you, I submit to you, I need your help. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, I'm not just going to run through my quiet time and say I did, I did my 20 minutes. I'm going to look at the words, the meekness, the receiving, etc. Okay, then he says the implanted word. Okay, it's not a word that have been there forever. It's been implanted. That means when we were born again, when we were saved, when Jesus saved us, there was something implanted to us. Now, there's the word that we hear that produces faith, but also when we came to Christ, there's something that he writes in our hearts. Obviously, the, the whole role of the Holy Spirit, you can add a lot to that as well, but it's something that's implanted. It's something that, that, that he says can save us. And then I want to go on a little bit to, to verse 22, where he says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That's the English Standard Version. The NLT says, but don't just listen to the word, to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Now, we are actually talking in the context this morning of applying the word in our lives. And I mean, it sounds so obvious. I don't think it's a, it's a hard thing to say to someone to read scripture and then just apply it in your lives. But here we see a church leader of the, let's say, say the format, an apostle like James, writing to his church. So they battled with it back then, and I know we battle with it in the here and the now as well. And he's writing and he's saying to his own church, to his own people, like I almost want to say, Pastor Johannes, I think he, he's hard or maybe to, with you guys in terms of intercession, put forth the sermon series about live the living word and about applying the word. If I can leave you with a one-liner, I would say what James has said to his congregation. But be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. So there's a danger that we can, deceive, we can deceive ourselves when we hear the word, but we don't do the word or we don't apply the word. Now we need to be honest with ourselves in terms of that. Think of the word as something that guides us in our lives. We know that the word of God, that I think it's Psalm 119, some, I, think, I think it's Psalm 119 where it says, it's a lamp to our feet. Is it Psalm 119? The word of God is like a lamp to our feet. It's a light. Jesus Christ is a light. It shines in the darkness. It guides us. The Holy Spirit will also help us with that. But we're specifically talking about the word and applying the word. And I want to simplify and almost keep it easy, but there's a lot in this word to obey. There's a lot in this word to settle in our hearts. Go and read Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. Who of you heard about that? Most of you. Some of you. Okay. Go and read what Jesus says there. It's high morals. It's, it's challenging to us. 
It's challenging to us. Yeah, he uses the language, and, and the ESV says, but be doers. But if you look a little bit deep and you dig into the Greek, it actually says, be or become. That means it's something we should grow into. It's, and that is why James is writing here. If he had a perfect church, hey, he wouldn't have been writing this letter. He wouldn't have been challenging his church to grow in their character in terms of being um, quick to listen, slow to talk, etc. Quick, yeah, second, I forget. <laughs> so he's saying here we should be doers of the word and not hearers deceiving ourselves. Now, Jesus is most probably, uh, uh, James is most probably drawing here from his brother's words, from the words of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 7, because it's almost a, a very direct parallel that we can see here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. You probably know it, but I want to read it quickly to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these, this Jesus speaking, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, which means in James's context, deceiving himself, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and it was great, and great was the fall of it. So James, uh, the scholars, the, the guys who really do the exegesis, they say to us, James probably drew from Jesus' sermon on the mount here. He's saying the same thing. Jesus encouraged and said, Everyone who hears these words of mine will be like a wise man with a solid foundation. And church, we need to be honest with ourselves. From praying for the lost, to giving, to serving, to loving, to turning our cheek, to, to whatever it might be. Believe there's so much that we need to, to grow in and sometimes just be, be, um, be um, um, honest with ourselves. I've got, I'll bring them sometime. Um, I've got two boys, they are twins, they're 11 years old, and, um, you, and, and I've got a girl, little daughter, she's nine years old. So they are a very good age now to, 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 to work for their food, okay? <laughs> to do little tasks in home because they've got all worms, the boys especially, they start to eat and pack wheat picks, it's just like gone like that. Okay, so I watch them and I say, okay, guys, the. The, um, the, vasgoed, the laundry is finished. Can you all um, just help it? Now, you know, I've got perfect kids. You know that? Who of you have got perfect kids? There's nothing like that. None of us were perfect. So I give them usually about a minute, and then they will start. But hey, I'm doing more than, than you are. Why aren't you helping? <laughs> Maybe it's an overshare, but you know, when kids get a job, they all have to go to the toilet. Then, Dad, I have to go. I have to go, you know. Or they're thirsty or hungry or whatever. That's usually what it's like, okay? And sometimes we are the same. We've got all these excuses why we don't want to obey Jesus and James. And we just have to be honest with ourselves. And I have to be honest with my kids and I have to say to them, guys, I'm watching you. Don't worry 
if you do a little bit more, you will actually be rewarded, in a sense, because I will see your heart. But they have a fight with each other. Ek doen meer, ek doen minder, you know, those type of things. They have to grow up. They are still young. It's, it's fine. They are not perfect, okay? Don't think the guy who preached here said the kids, his kids are perfect. They are not. But it's important that we don't miss the simplicity of what Jesus and James is saying. Amen? It's so easy in a sermon to rush past this crucial, basic, simple thing. Because a godly man, a wise man, a spiritful man like James is saying, you're going to deceive yourself. And I want to read you something because I believe God has just got this amazing sense of humor. Who of you agree? I'm... I love studying the Word, so what I, what I do is I have my study Bibles and all of that. Sorry, it's not very professional, but I, I only took a picture of that last night. Okay, now things doesn't work the way they're supposed to. But I want to read it to you because I just think it's so funny. So I'm reading my Zonderfan exegetical commentary on the New Testament, which is really good, solid food, solid milk. I love studying a bit of the context. And just hear what it says in, in terms of the commentary on this passage. The very people reading this book, now I'm holding the book, I'm reading it. Now my phone must just work. The very people reading this book may be among those most prone to deceive themselves into thinking they are obey, obeying the gospel, precisely because they are studying detailed reference work like this one, exclamation mark. They are probably scholars, pastors, teachers, or serious and committed lay people if they go into this much depth in their analysis of Scripture. Condemnation. Okay, now I'm starting to think. Am I like a hypocrite? Am I going to say in church tomorrow, you should obey the Word and apply the Word? Where do I stand on this? Thank God, doesn't God just have a, a sense of humor? And then they actually go on to unpack because what do we do? We leave church, and then we see a guy driving 120 in a 60-kilometer zone, and we think like, oh, at least I went to church. At least I gave my tithe this morning. At least I have, I've gone to church, and I'm going to obey what the pastor said, and I'm going to obey what the Word says. And then, I, then we see someone doing something bad or terrible or sinful, and then we think, oh, at least I'm a little bit better. At least I'm, I'm doing okay. But James is warning us not to deceive ourselves. And I love what my commentary there says, speaking to me as well. Digging deep, want to go into a bit of Greek. And Avdani, I know you're guilty as well. You can laugh like that. But I heard you speak, say the Greek word means. Have you said the sentence like that? So, Dani, you, you are with me in this. And any one of you who's got a study Bible, who wants to dig deep, sometimes we can be so... Um, um, overwhelmed or enjoy that so much, but we need to be honest and say, do we obey? Are we doers of the word? Do we get the basics right, the simple things right? Because many times we will look at those who fail terribly, especially in public, and then we will think, but hey, I'm a little bit better. I do better. But we actually deceive ourselves. We actually, it's so easy to lie to ourselves. James gives this very amazing kind of a weird example. It's almost like someone walking to a mirror, looking to themselves in the mirror, and then forgetting what they look like. 
it's like weird. Who does that? But I think that is exactly what the meaning is. He says in verse 23, For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You just see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. What you look like. Now, especially the ladies, you don't do this. Because my wife, they spend a little bit, you know, a lot of time in the mirror. Okay? Early mornings, all that little making the picture beautiful. Okay? We love that. We love them for that. Amen? Okay? But who does that? and then walk away and forget what you, look, what you look like. It's like foolish. So it's important to hear the word, obey the word, do the word. Apply it in our own lives. So, putting this one away. And then, as with most things in Scripture, in verse 25, James ends there and he says, but the one, and, and this is a little passage that you can study just from verse 19 to 25. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Or other translation says, then God will bless you for doing it. For doing what? For obeying the word. For listening and doing. Now, all of us who are parents, we love it when we give a command to our children, pick up your shoes, do this, and they respond. That's amazing. And if they don't, we want to bring correction. We want to teach them why it's important to obey. But we must have that same attitude in our own hearts because J James is saying here, there will be a blessing. There will be a reward because I know from my own life the moment when we disobey God's word, we're in trouble. Amen? We're in trouble. But there's a blessing when we obey God's word. So, I don't know what the first three sermons everyone said, but I can say on the authority of Scripture that we need to apply the, the word of God in our lives, and it's sometimes just very simple. I'm just, I'll quickly give you a few tips in a sense. But sometimes we just have to listen to what Pastor James says and with meekness receive the implanted word and then obviously the word that we hear in sermons, the words that the Spirit speaks to us and just to obey that. Just to end off slowly but surely, sometimes we battle and we need to ask ourselves, I'm asking myself about the why. Why do we battle? Why did James write to his audience, to his beloved brothers, and say you should do this? Because they were probably getting it wrong, as I said a few times. And the same for me, and the same for all of us. So it's important to, application-wise, to make study a priority in our lives. You need to know the word if you want to apply it. Who of you will apply stuff that you don't understand? Okay? If the speed law in our country says drive 120, it's just to protect you because the more people will drive 180, we're going to have more people killed on our roads. Just a, a beautiful way, the scripture I want to read from Acts chapter 8, verse 30 to 31. It's Philip and the Ethiopian Enoch. And Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? 
And in verse 31, the man replied, How can I unless someone instruct me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him because he wanted to know. So what am I going to say next? Do Bible school. Okay? I'm not sure where, when you, your Bible school is happening or, or the next cycle is, but you can do your own little Bible school. Study the Word. Make sure you understand what it says. Read it. Study it. That it will be on your hearts. That when you're in a circumstance and there's pressure on you, that we can obey the Word. That we can apply the Word. That we can do the Word. That we won't just listen, but that we will act. And James says, there's a blessing in that. I want to challenge you guys. It's sometimes we just need basic discipline. Just basic discipline in our lives in terms of studying the Word. Sometimes, most of the time, we're just plain busy. And we, we rush a lot of things in our lives. And our cell phones will say uh, 1 hour 49 minutes screen time. But screen time here, it's, it's 5 or 10 minutes. You will be shocked when you do research in our context. The stats doesn't really exist, but you can ask people in your own church or community, America and these places, how much or how little time the average Christian actually spend in prayer and worship and studying the Word. It's not 30 minutes or one hour like all of you think. It's actually scary. That's just plain a little bit of discipline. And then if we continue to those mountain pictures on it, you know, the application isn't always easy to apply and to do what the Word says. Sometimes life is hard, eh? Sometimes life is unfair. Sometimes people are rude. Sometimes the sin of people affect our lives. And that's tough. It's hard. It's unfair. But can we then say between brackets, God, please excuse me this time. I'm going to punch that guy for, for this or that. I'll be a Christian just now again. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. It's, scripture isn't there to apply when we only feel like it. Otherwise, James would have said, you know, be a doer of the word when it suits you. But we know that's not what the Spirit of God is leading us. We need to apply it at all times. The way we talk, the way we think, the way we act in front of our kids, in front of our spouses, in front of the people we work with, etc. It's not just... When we, um, when we feel like that. So I want to play you a video clip to end off with. And I believe I've got so much respect. You know, these days, I don't want to bring a lot of worldly things, but you know, there was in the past week a comment or, or I saw in the newspapers about two that, that we should give 2% of our salaries once off to the government because they are really in need of money. And... The way, the way I'm just mentioning it, I can already see a lot of people. Do you know about it? Some of you know about it. Some of you might think it's a good idea. Some of you might not. But there's already a lot of people who say this about the government and that about the government. And especially Namibia is a blessed country. But when we go to South Africa and we go to government, you know, a lot of people don't trust the church even or the government or the authorities these days. So what I want to share next is really honorable, and I really feel it's a good application of a man who's doing what, what God is, has told him. Maybe most of you um, have, have heard it or seen it, but Annette is going to, it's a quick one minute, 50 video clip I quickly want to show to you. But obviously, South Africa had elections 
recently, you all know about that, and there's new, uh, a new cabinet that needs to be sworn in, and the Chief Justice, ju um, Judge, um, I hope I pronounced it correctly, Mugeng, Mugeng, I'm going to try my best, um, you know, he actually asked for a moment of prayer in the South African Parliament. Now, if you watch the last few years, it looks like a bar fight sometimes inside of the parliament with guys in white and guys in red fighting each other, guys being carried out. It's, it's like a comedy in many ways. And I just believe it's significant that God raised up a man like him to ask for prayer. I'm not sure if you can hear it on the video, but he actually prays in the spirit in, the par in parliament. And then I will read the comment of the South African president, um, Sil, Sil, Cyril Ramaphosa, on, on what he did. And he calls it this good or unprecedented move. Because actually it should be the way things are done. But it's not the way things are done. But he honors what that chief justice did. And yet you can pl quickly play that video. And I believe it should challenge us to to really obey the word because there's the example the moment it starts to play there's the example of a man just going to give it a if moment if you may be seated for a while it is time for prayer or meditation but I just thought we needed to be purposeful in embarking on this exercise. I never used to know what to meditate about, what to pray about. So here is a guideline. Our country has challenges. Meditate about the solutions to corruption, to crime, to anything of concern that you have. And for those of us who can pray, pray for solutions. Pray for a better vision, for guidance. Those who are here, those who are at home hearing, let us be very deliberate and intentional about this exercise. It's not a meaningful, meaningless ritual. If you want to do it sitting, do so. If you want to be standing or in any other position, do so. But it will be for three minutes. It's not just a question of start and you don't know when to end. It will be for three minutes. May we do so now in whatever position you are comfortable with. Okay. Now basically, he actually went to his knees, on his knees, and he prayed in Parliament. Now as I said, we should just understand the context of the past few years in Parliament and what I believe happening in the broader sense in South Africa. It's significant. It's, it's really special. And I believe that's a man of God obeying. Yeah, there you can see it. He actually went on his knees and he prayed. I think it's a bold step. It's a massive step. And just listen what Cyril Ramaphosa said. He said, I want to thank you, Chief Justice, for doing an, uh, an unprecedented act of going on your knees and praying, not only for this parliament, but praying for our nation. I wish it was broadcast 
so that everyone in this land could hear what prayer the chief justice was offering. That's massive. That's massive. That's a man who is actually a lay pastor as far as I know too. But he sits there in a very profound position as the chief justice. And I believe in Scripture. Somewhere in the Psalm 70s, it says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from God. And when a man like that prays in Parliament, I know he's not praying there because it's a, oh, I felt like it. It's something that God laid on his heart. It's something that God challenged him about. So, does he have a choice? Was he like a little robot that had to do it? You know, he's got a free will in that sense. He obeyed God. He didn't just hear and forget, looking in the mirror, forgetting what it looks like. He heard and he did. He was a doer who acts. The acts of the apostles. It's the acts, things they did. The book we have, the acts of the apostles. It says here, be a doer who acts. And maybe my calling isn't to pray in parliament. Maybe yours isn't. But we need to ask ourselves very simply today, to what extent are we obeying and applying, applying the word of God in our lives? I'm just talking basics today. And after we become obedient and more obedient and we grow in the Lord, we will all one day have an opportunity like that where God says, now's the time. Now you pray. And there's a reason why the president says it's unprecedented. It's not something that happens often or daily. I think it's only the Christians that probably picked up on how profound this is. And my prayers, may God honor those prayers. And as I said, if you listen, go and Google it, and you listen, he was actually praying in the Spirit as well. That's huge, okay? But God gave him that opportunity. And I'm only asking us, myself this today, and I'm saying, am I quick to to forget what the Lord says? How do I apply the basics in my own life? So I'm just going to give us a quick moment here this morning, maybe just where you stand, and I want to ask us, how are we doing with, the, with our doing? How are we doing with our obeying what God says to us? I'm just going to give you a moment to meditate on that, maybe just as a, in terms of a, a place to be silent for a while and to say my battles that I face etc how am I doing with the doing in my own life do I act on what God says do I act on what the word says I need maybe you can just play soft background music and I just want us a moment to to spend time with God and to maybe evaluate in our own lives where we stand
Father God, I pray that you'll bless us in our doing, Lord God, that we will obey your word, Lord, that we will act, Father God. Lord, you say that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow, Lord God, and shows us the intent of our heart. And today and every day, Lord, we, we cannot fool you. We cannot fool ourselves, Lord. You, your word will show us where our hearts are, Lord. And today, Lord, we want to obey the command of Jesus. We want to obey John, uh, James, where he says that, that we will be blessed in our doing, Lord. That we shouldn't just listen and forget, but we should act, Lord God. And I pray for all of us, for this church, small groups, for parents, husbands and wives, that we will obey your word, Lord. That we will apply it in our lives, that it will be on our lips, Yes, Father God, that, that we will spend a lot of screen time in your word, Lord. That we will be obedient in, any, in every way, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and help us, strengthen us. Where we fail, where we don't have the this, this strength. That we will receive with meekness and humility the implanted word. That we will not be suspicious, but that we will know that Jesus Christ is the word the living word thank you for the way that you transform our lives thank you Lord that there's a blessing in the doing in Jesus name Amen thank you for listening remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share